Well, hey there, everyone. My name is Daniel, and I'm the online campus pastor here at OAG. I am excited for today's podcast because this is from our series entitled Before You Knew Me. This will be stories and testimonies shared from folks just like you and our own church family. So sit back and relax and be inspired by what God has done and is still doing in the lives of His children. Tonight, we're honored to have someone share their testimony, and I've asked her to share a little bit uh, about Oxford and Oxford Assembly, because this is the only church she's ever known. She's visited a few, but they wouldn't let her stay very long. They kept running around. (laughs) And uh, I can tell you that, you know, uh, we've had some great, great, great testimonies they're awesome Um, but you know I invite Jeannie up here with a little bit of fear and trepidation because you know uh, we don't haven't always agreed we we haven't always agreed but I can tell you that um, this family has been a blessing and Jeannie you and I and Rose and Ted are the only ones that were here 38 years ago when uh, they elected us as pastors. And one of the things that uh, she's probably forgotten it. But right after we came, we had planned a trip. And we were going to the mountains. And we'd been to the mountains before, but it was a year of the uh, Royal Ranger uh, National Camperama. And we were had already planned to go up and to at least be a part of that my kids were four and six years of age and we had a real nice Ford Fiesta for those of you who don't know that that, that's a little car and when when Jeannie found out we were driving that Ford Fiesta she had just bought a brand new Dodge Caravan and she said you're not riding that Fiesta you're going to take my car go take my car and we did. And we brought it back. Didn't have too many scratches on it. We did good. But it was really, uh, that's the type of family that they have been to support the church. But also, uh, and I know some of you think that she's a great Sunday school teacher, and she is. Amen. But, but she, she replaced her brother that had taught it for years before that. He was teaching. Uh, huh? He taught four months. I thought he taught a lot longer than that. I had him four months. Uh-huh. Okay. But anyway, uh, he was my, my friend, yeah. and he moved off and left us, went to, okay. got transferred by our wise government because he was working on his main project back then was cold, uh, how to handle citrus to handle cold weather. And say so, that you know, he moved the place from up here down to Fort Pierce where it's warmer. That's the way the government does, isn't it? But anyway, let's put our hands together and welcome Jeannie to come, Jenny Davis to come. And her husband, Ted, has been on the board for all those 38 years. And, and now we passed something a couple of, you know, when he comes up for re-election, you can't, he's going to have to sit out a little bit. Keep but going. he's been on the board for 38 years, or actually closer to 50 years, because he was on the board for, before I got here. Yep. No. Yep. Hey, when preacher says he and I haven't always agreed, he said a mouthful. 
And I'm gonna share. I'm gonna share a little bit of that with you about me and Brother Daryl. Uh, this seems so loud to me, Charlie. Is it me? Is it me, y'all? Like being up here because I don't like these lights. So I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't like these lights. But we're gonna pray before we start. Father God, we've come before you already, but Lord, we want you to hide this message behind the cross so that the Holy Spirit can be free to flow in this sanctuary. Father, we want what's said and done to be for your honor and for your glory. Father, we want it to change lives. We want to go out of here encouraged and lifted up and ready to be on the firing line again in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So I'm using Miss Johnny May's book a little bit, so I want to give her credit. She wrote this, The History of the Oxford Assembly of God Church. And so I borrowed it and I read it again and I don't remember some of it that's in there. So that's interesting to me. But anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go backwards a little bit, but I'm not gonna stay uh, too far in the past because the church actually, from what my granny Driggers told me, they had a tent revival, and from the best I can figure, the tent revival was where the pickleball courts are. Right, Preach? Preach, I can't even see you. Can y'all shut this off, Charlie? Can you get this out of my eyes? Oh, you can't, okay. But anyway, that's where I can figure it was. And people from all the different churches came because that was the social life. You know, you worked all day and then there was a revival, so everybody went. Um, but the couple who came, Luther and Nancy Miller, were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that was new to Oxford. And so what came out of that revival was a passion for starting a church here in Oxford that was a Pentecostal church. So Brother Kane came in 1933, and I think it's really interesting, and I want y'all to pay attention to this. There were nine, see if I got this right, there were nine pastors that pastored this church from 1932 to 1952. So there were other people besides me that didn't always get along with the preacher. Nine pastors from, from 32 to 52. I think the difference is, and I'm going to share that with you, when we, I hope I can talk real fast and get us to the, to the part of the story where, where Pastor Daryl and Marcia came. The first pastor that I remember, uh, I, my family's always gone to church here. My grandparents went to church here. My other grandmama was Presbyterian, and she was a godly Presbyterian, and I went to their Bible school uh, every, sun, every summer, and grandmother taught me a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. My best friends were Baptist, and they taught me a lot, a lot, a lot. I had a friend that was a Catholic, and she took me one time and didn't take me back, because <laughs> I didn't understand all the kneeling, and, and I wanted to take communion, and she almost fainted. So anyway... But so I've been blessed to grow up in the church on the pew or under the pew or out at the switch tree. Y'all know about the switch tree? I've been there more than once. But my first memory of being a little girl was Brother George Tyndall. And George Tyndall was the pastor and Sister Tyndall were the pastors here from 52 to, to uh, 55, 58. I was born in 55, so that means I knew him three years, right? My only member of brother, memory of Brother Tyndall being here was he blessed the children. When he came by you, he would put, he had big hands and he had carpenter hands and they were very, very blistered and very uh, rough. 
And he would come by you and lay his hand on your head and he would bless you. And I can remember wanting that preacher to bless me before I left because it was like a love pat to me. When Brother Tenner was here, they built the parsonage. I did not know until after I was grown and Doris um, and I, Doris, his daughter, and I've been friends all our lives, and she shared with me that they had just finished the parsonage, they were just fixing to move in, and the Lord moved them to another church. And they never lived in that parsonage. And she and I got tears together. Because I can't imagine those kids and daddy, and they all did all the work, and then God moved them somewhere else. And I asked Doris, was she bitter? And she said no, because she knew then God knows what he's doing. Amen? But I had to share that because he did it, Brother Tyndall did it out of love and dedication to the church. He didn't build the parsonage so he could live there. And what I got from him was a blessing. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So that's what Brother Tyndall did in my life. He prayed over me every opportunity. And after Brother uh, Tyndall left, Brother C.A. Simons and Sister Simons came, and they came in 1958. And Sister Simons had an arm that was partially cut off. I don't remember the story. I don't think I ever knew the story. But Sister Simons did everything a two-armed person could do. She never backed up from anything ever. We canned tomatoes for the missions. We did all of this, and Sister Simons did it all. One of the things that Sister Simons um, did was she was Sunday school superintendent. And when I was 11, of course, we didn't have cell phones, but all I ever wanted to do was teach. And when I was 11, our Sunday school teacher had to be out some. She had a sick husband, and she had to be out some, and she never knew when she was going to be out. Sister Simons came to me and said, Jeannie, I'm going to give you a teacher's edition, and when she's not here, we're not going to put a teacher in there. You're going to teach. She might as well have given me a million dollars. So I studied every week, and she was hardly ever out. And I was teaching 9, 10, and 11-year-olds, and I loved it. And I always look back that she had faith in me to do that. She had faith in me to do that. And so my scripture, when I think about that, is Matthew 19, 14. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Brother Simons was the happiest, one of the happiest people I've ever known. He had joy that emanated from his feet. He had music that came out of his hands and out of his mouth. And our worship, while Brother Simons was my pastor, and he was my pastor from 1958 to 1971, the, the music department was fantastic because his kids could play, Miss Johnny May could play anything, Brother Simons could play anything, he could sing anything, he could play the bass fiddle, he could play the accordion, he could play the banjo. And back then, if y'all were in church back then, you used to be able to stand up and ask for a uh, special song. Y'all remember that? And so my special song from Brother Simons was Rosa Sharon. And bless his heart, I would stand up 
and I would ask him to sing Rosa Sharon. And in my memory, I don't remember him ever saying, Jesus, Jeannie, we don't have time in this service. He would get out his accordion and he would sing Rosa Sharon for me. And he was a blessing in my life. I did not know until I was older that that was the third time Brother Simons had been the pastor of this church. So he had come and God had moved him somewhere else and he'd come back and God had moved him. When he left the second time and he was going to come back, Sister Simons, from what I was told, said, I don't think we need to go back a third time. But they did. And so they were my pastors in all of my growing up years. I felt like my granddaddy had died when Brother Simons left the church. I just had lost, I felt like I had lost this tremendous godly man that brought such joy. And my scripture for him that I thought about, and it just says him perfectly, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And he did. After Brother Simons left, Brother Powell and Sister Catherine came in 1971. And they were at our church from 1971 to 1977. And if you don't know it, Johnny is Brother Powell's... Are you the oldest, Johnny? The oldest boy. Oldest boy. So I didn't know Johnny very well because Johnny was older and, and he was hanging with the older crowd and, you know, we weren't that crowd. And so I didn't know Johnny so well. But I grew up with Leonard and, and uh, Natalie. I grew up with the, the younger ones. And when they came... Brother Powell had been in the service. And Brother Powell was a soldier of the cross. And Brother Powell preached, there's a hell to shun and there's a heaven to gain. And you're either a soldier in the army or you're not. And so many times Brother Powell would teach you from a soldier's standpoint. You've been given marching orders. What are you doing with your marching orders? How are you serving the Lord? Are you sold out? I can remember many a time Brother Powell saying to me, Jeannie, it's all or nothing. And so that I grew up with. For Brother Powell, my scripture is Luke 9.62. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Well, I had the privilege up until that time, even though these men had left the church and their wives had left the church, I had the privilege of being friends with their kids and being friends with them. So when we had anything, they always came home. They would always come to homecomings and that sort of thing. And Brother Powell, I had the special privilege of, when he retired from pastoring, he lived in Lake Pan, this became his home church. And so I got to see Brother Powell again and spend time with him again as he was in the latter part of his life. And Sister Catherine was in the latter part. We didn't get to see her as much before she passed, but in the latter part that he still was preaching the same thing. Are you a soldier of the cross? And he would say to me, he sat over on our side, and he would say to me on Sunday mornings, Jeannie, I mean it more now than I, than I did when I taught you when you were a child. It's either all or nothing. And so I had the privilege of being around him. Now, Sister Catherine, when Sister Catherine came to this church, 
she was the most amazing woman that in the in the things of the Lord that I had ever been around. Sister Powell was like a tornado in a dress. I'm not kidding y'all. She was Proverbs 31. She was Proverbs 31. And in 1973, Ted and I got married. Now Ted's family is from Citrus County and Brother Powell knew their family somewhat and so he was my pastor when, when I married Ted and he just wanted to make sure that, that Ted loved the Lord and Ted was saved and Ted was following things of the Lord. So we had some conversations with Brother Powell then. Sister Powell wanted me to know all the things that I needed to do to be a good wife. And so Sister Powell taught me Proverbs 31. And I said, well, Sister Powell, I'm going to take a lot of this on, but I'm not going to take on cooking or sewing. I'll take on buying the fields, and I'll take on wearing the purple, and I'll take on the teaching, and I'll take on love the children, and I'll do all those things. But God gave you those gifts, and he didn't give me those gifts so much. But bless her heart, she tried. When I was in college, I was driving back and forth to um, Tampa to school, and I was here on one Wednesday night, and she said, Jeannie, you look really stressed. And I said, I've got this big, big presentation tomorrow, and I don't know what to do. And she said, well, what's it about? And I told her, I said, it's about teaching the parts of a plant. And I just don't know what to do. I couldn't draw it good and all that kind of thing. And she said, well, how long do you, is it going to take? And I said, it's going to take about 20 minutes, and I've got to teach the parts of the plant. And she said, well, you go home and write it up. And she said, and I'll call you later. Around 11 o'clock, Sister Powell called me. And she had made four puppets. One with the roots. One was a puppet stem. One was the leaves. And one was a rose. And she said, now, Jeannie, come get them, which it was really late, come get them. And I got an A+. And I called her, and I had them for years, and we don't know what happened to them in all of the years with the kids and everything, but I had them for years. She was that kind of lady. She didn't back up from anything. She did anything and everything. And so Sister Powell was my Proverbs 31 lady. She sits... She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the task. And so I had the privilege of sitting under her, and she encouraged me greatly. When the Powells left, Frank and Leona Severance came in 1977. And they were here until 1984. When they came, this church was their first pastorate, and they were in their 50s rows. Were they 50s, 60s? I don't know age. 60-something preach? Anyway, when they came, they came as a unit. Sister Severance was not going to work and, and was going to do everything with Brother Powell, I mean with Brother Severance. And they came, and they were the most hospitable people I've ever seen. Sister Severance could cook anything. She, was she did all this Italian. She, she always had a big spread. She was always taking everybody home from church. They were always visiting. Um, Brother Severance didn't understand anything at all about not coming without calling. 
And he came to the house one day, and I was potty training Sarah, and I just thought I was brilliant. Sarah was my oldest, and I just thought I was brilliant. And I said, Brother Severance, I can't visit with you today because I'm potty training Sarah, and I've got to be in the bathroom all day potty training Sarah. He said, that's okay. There's room in that bathroom for me. And I always remember Brother Severance standing at the door at the bathroom, and when Sarah was using potty, clapping and saying, praise the Lord. So they came as a, as a one unit. They came as a unit. And they taught me hospitality, that you didn't have to have a clean house, you didn't have to have a bunch of food ready, that you just needed to be open to the Lord leading to have people in and out and for the fellowship. The other thing that Brother Frank taught me was Ted and I went through a barren time after we married. We were married for five years, and we'd been through all time of health medical tests. And the, the doctor said, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to have any children. And Brother Frank saw my face one Sunday, and I was crying. And he said, Jeannie, what kind of faith do you have? And I said, well, Brother Frank, they've told me I can't have children. And so we're just going to know that's from God, and we're going to move over. And he said, no, you're not. He said, we have not exhausted all the avenues. He said, next Sunday morning, you and Ted are going to go before the church, and we're going to tell the whole church the need, and we're going to anoint y'all with oil, and we're going to pray. And I said, Brother Frank, I don't think Ted wants to do that. I think it's going to embarrass him, and I don't think he wants to do that. And he said, well, I'm going to check with you next Sunday morning. So he did, and Ted reluctantly agreed, and we went before the church, and he told the congregation what the doctor had said. And the church anointed us with oil. And he said, now I want you to stand on faith. I want you to speak and stand on faith that if it's God's perfect will, this baby's coming. So I said, okay, well, I'll do that. So I went home and called two of my girlfriends and told them, I'm going to have a baby. And they said, well, when? I said, well, I don't know. And the Monday morning, I got up, and if you remember when you ordered from Sears Roebuck catalog, you know, you called in and somebody answered the phone, and so I ordered a bunch of maternity clothes. Well, Ted wasn't happy about that because we didn't have the kind of money to buy a bunch of maternity clothes. But anyway, Brother Frank went to praying, and him and Sister Severance prayed, and they prayed every day. And every time we were together, he would say, are you standing on faith? Are you believing? And I would tell him that I was, but it was okay with us if God had another plan for us. And he said, yes, but until we exhaust this, we're going to keep praying. We have it recorded. Sarah was born nine months to the week we prayed. And the first Sunday we brought her to church, Brother Frank got her, and I didn't see her again until it was time to leave. He passed her. He pastored everybody. Everybody had Sarah. Everybody had Sarah. And he said, now, Jeannie, the rest of the children will belong to you. But this one belongs to the church. <laughs> this one belongs to the church. So when we had Justin, we had Justin in, in uh, the next year. We had three kids in four and a half years. We had Justin the next year. So we had our girl and our boy. So when we dedicated Justin, Brother Frank was up here at the podium, not here, but in the old church. And I said, Brother Frank, we can quit praying now. I said, I've got my girl and my boy. And he said, Jeannie, it doesn't work like that. 
And so he teased me about that for quite some time. His scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Brother Frank knew that his time at Oxford was coming to an end. He shared it with me. A number of people had had a dream about the church and going forward in the church, and he wasn't in the dream. And he shared with me, and he said, Jeannie, God's moving me. He had applied for a church somewhere else, and he says, God's moving me. He came out to the house, and he said, um, I don't know what God's got for me, but he's moving me. He passed away on de December 27th of that year. And our church was devastated. Our church was small. There's less than 100 in the church. And we were devastated. And we were blessed. We had Warren Lewis. Miss Rose's son, Morris, was, Warren, was, was um, studying for the pastoral degree. And Warren stepped in to preach for a while. But our church went through a very difficult time. Because our question was, Lord, you called him into the ministry. You called him into the ministry in the middle of his life. They're so vibrant and they're so full of you and there's so much to be done in the kingdom. Why would you take him home and leave Sister Severance? And so I had to grow in that time. And with Sister Severance, I had to grow. And, and see, back then, she lost her job. She lost her church family, and they lived in the pastor's house. So she lost her house. And so, of course, the church looked out for her, and, and everybody loved on her, and, and she got where God wanted her to be. But it made me see pastors in a different light. It made me see pastors in a different light. And so I promised, I made a promise to God I said, God, if you ever send us another preacher, and we love Warren, but Warren had places that he was going. I said, if you ever send us another preacher, he's not going to be pastor to me. I'm going to call him by his name, and I'm going to see him as a person, and I'm going to treat him like he's family. And if I fuss with him, I fuss with him. But I'm going to be there for him. And if you will allow it, Lord, we want to provide so that a pastor has a home where they can nail a nail anywhere they want it and nobody complains. Because Sister Powell had told me that every place she ever went, she had to make it pretty and she had to put curtains and she had to plant plants in the yard because she loved beautiful things. But she said, Jeannie, they didn't, it didn't belong to me. And so I learned and I grew with Sister Severance and I found out that we had been doing it wrong, that our pastor needs to be revered and our pastor needs to be taken care of, and our pastor needs to be appreciated, and he needs to be pastor in our life. But he's a human being, and his wife is a human, and his children are human, and they're not perfect. And the job is lonely. And Brother Frank used to tell me, Jeannie, the job is lonely. I didn't realize the job could be so lonely. 
So when Pastor Daryl and Marcia came, and they came in 85, and they've been here for 38 years, which is a good thing. But it's also a good thing that I made a promise to God because that man and I see things many times way differently. But he didn't throw me under the bus and I didn't throw him under the bus because we, there was a commitment that was made. My daddy didn't call Daryl, Brother Daryl. My daddy called Daryl Preach. That's what he called him. My daddy treated Daryl more like his own than his own boys a lot of the time. I'm going to tell this story, and I warned Daryl I was going to. My mother, I went to see her one day, and she said, we've got the right preacher. I said, well, how do you know that? She said, well, we had peas that year in the field. And she said, Daryl came, uh, brother Daryl, she called him, came and picked peas. And she said, I looked out the window, and when he was at the end of the row, his, his uh, basket was full. And she said he just pulled up his T-shirt, and he kept going. And she said when he got to the car, his shirt was up to here, and it was full of peas. And she said, that's my kind of preacher. <laughs> and so she said, he's my preacher, so I don't know if Daryl, I, I teased him. I said, I don't know if you ever knew you got brownie points for, for picking peas like that. But what Marsha and Daryl brought to us was servitude because they came to a church that was hurting. They were willing to listen. They were willing to do anything that needed to be done. They had two little boys. They were willing to share with the children and share with the problems of that age and do all those things. And they were servants. And the scripture that I have for them is each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. So when they came, they, they were servants. Marsha would do Sunday school. Marsha would fill in anywhere she was needed. Preacher preached Sunday morning. He preached Sunday night. He preached Wednesday night. He preached funerals of people he had never heard of. He visited the hospitals. I had a tumor that year. The, the, I think it was the first year y'all were here. Uh, I was in the hospital. They said uh, if it was cancer, and they thought probably that it was, if it was cancer, I was 30 years old, and they said, Jeannie, if it's cancer, you've got about three months to live. And that's my first time of having my preacher when I really felt like I needed him, you know. And God blessed me uh, through all that. I had to have two surgeries over that tumor, but God blessed me with all of that. But that was the time that we were in. It was a season of that. Well, when pastor came, every pastor that's ever pastored this church built on. The old church, the original church, the old church, we were always in a building program. When pastor came, he said, not too long, I don't know what year, he said, we're, we're going to, let's buy that, the old school. 86. 86. Let's buy the old school. Well, we had the vision, because I love old things. But there was a lot of people that didn't have the vision. Because this, our, uh, the old sanctuary was full. It was the, 
it was the dump for all the school system stuff. The old sanctuary had all this stuff in it. The old sanctuary had a kindergarten class still built in the back. Where you sit, if you come in the old sanctuary, right in this corner was a, was a toilet where the kindergarten class was. And I know that because I got the privilege of tearing it down. But the, ch the church had to have a lot of work. But one of the things that we found as we were doing it, because the school for Oxford was the center of the community. So as we bought it, and, the, and the, the school system really wanted us to have it because they were in a touch, touchy situation because if they tore it down, you know, God forbid, tear down something old that belonged to the community. So what Pastor did, what Daryl did, was he realized that it was a community church. That the school, people, want, they started coming. They would wanted to come walk through it. They wanted to see it. Uh, we worked one whole summer up here because all the windows were lead. And bless her heart, Marsha, I can't tell you how many hours Marsha got the lead out of the windows. And, and we would bring the kids up here and work all day and share sandwiches and, and worked. And then the Lord blessed us with the mappers. What year did he bless us with them? Okay. So our mappers came, and they were people from all over the United States that were given their retirement years to building things. And we were the most grateful group of people you've ever known because we were blundering along trying to renovate and make that into a sanctuary when we, honestly, most of us didn't really have a clue what we were doing. But the Lord was blessing, and the Lord was blessing us financially. And what I learned during that time is God's never early and God's never late. God is right on time. When we needed an air-conditioned person, they showed up. When we couldn't figure out how to do the steps up at the front of the sanctuary, that man was here, and he worked forever and built all those steps over there. When we needed people to go up in the attic, it, it was the right people. The first person that got saved when we were building the building was Sister Rose's son-in-law, James. We were up on the roof, and I guess we were patching the roof. I don't even know. We were putting that white stuff up there. And, and I got to share him with James, and, and others got to share him with James. And I said, James, do you know the Lord? And he said, I don't. And I said, well, you know, if you fell off this roof. Anyway, we got to share Jesus Christ with him. And so we laughed and said, well... We're in the right place doing the right thing for the Lord. The pastor opened up the church and he let the people, we had community things, we had a hot air balloon here one time and, and God opened up the church, the pastor opened up the church to the community. And what we found from that was serving. God has called Oxford Assembly to be a serving church to go out into the community and into the highways and into the byways, to be a family church for the family of God, to be that in the community, to let the, the community use the church. Now you say, well, Jeannie, that's, that's typical. No, it's not. No, it's not. Most churches don't just let you use the sanctuary if you need it for something or the building for something or... or there's stuff going on up here all the time, y'all. All the time. And it's because even people who do not go to this church consider this home. 
because of the work that Pastor Marsha have done for all these years. Because it's a home church. And it's for that, that, that vision of being a family church for the family of God. Now, I teased Daryl a while back because Ted and I have retired. And I said, preach. Oh, I've started calling him preach. And I'll tell you how this started. And I know I got to close. What? You didn't tell me what time I had to close. But I'll tell you this story real fast. Somebody came up to me a few years back and they said, Jeannie, I want you to quit calling Daryl, Pastor Daryl, or, or Brother Daryl, or Daryl. You need to call him Reverend Strickland. And I said, well, that's not going to happen. And they said, no, you're, you're, not being, you're not giving him the place of authority and you're not giving him that that personal attention that you should and that reverence. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I said, now if the Holy Spirit told me to, I would, but I'm not going to do that. I said, because I never want to put pastor on a pedestal that I'm expecting him to live up to because I would not pray for him like I do if I saw him above do y'all understand that? Amen. He's a man of God, but he's a man. And Marsha's a woman of God, but she's a woman. And I know the hours that they put in. I have been here when Daryl was up all night at the hospital with somebody, and he showed up and he smiled and he preached and he did his job, and nobody knew that he'd been up all night. And so that, that's been a thing that, that I've tried to remind people Preachers get tired. So a while back, I got to thinking about it, and my daddy always called him preach. And I thought, well, you know, nobody's calling him preach anymore. So I started calling him preach. And I don't know that he likes it, but I didn't ask him. So, <laughs> you know, so that's okay. That's okay. But I asked him a while back, how long are you going to preach? When are you going to retire? And about the same time, I asked Chuck Padgett the same. It was about within the same week. And Chuck said, well, Jeannie, I think I'll do this, this, and this. And I laughed. I said, Chuck, you're not going to do any of that. And so when, when I asked preach the same thing, he's like, well, I'll be here until the Lord, you know, tells me what to do differently or whatever. And I thought, it's going to be the same thing. Because the truth is, Brother Tom Miller taught me this. You can retire from public life. But you're in the, the army of God and you are to work until God calls you home. And you're to be about the Father's business. And the Lord did not put all these godly men and women in my life and the ones that you can testify to that are in your life. God did not put them in your path for you to learn something and not share it with somebody else. Amen? Because we're walking this road together. We're headed together. We're on the road of righteousness together. And we need to lift each other and carry people along. Amen? So we got the sanctuary done. And I'm, I'm going to finish in three minutes, I hope. We got, this, we got the old sanctuary done. And then we started talking about we needed a gym. Well, we really talked about we needed a fellowship hall where we had a place to eat. Because, you know, we like to eat. And so we started that and we had a group that worked on that and we got through that and we built the gym and praise God for it. And we were in the gym for quite a few years um, before this. 
What I want to share with you in closing was a miracle that happened, and it is a miracle in my life. Pastor appointed a group of us to be the decorating committee. Now he appointed, I wrote them down, Vicki Farrell, my mother, Nancy Driggers, Marcia Strickland, Galen Light, and Glenna Watson. Those were all smart, wise choices. Every one of those ladies had a different kind of house. I've been in their houses, all of them. One's real country, my mama's was early everything. You know, they all had different tastes and all that stuff. And then there was me, the mouth of the South, who has an opinion about everything. I wanted blue carpet. Y'all see blue carpet? I wanted blue carpet. I wanted blue chairs. I wanted stained glass windows. Y'all see stained glass windows? No, you don't. I wanted stained glass windows. I wanted these really gorgeous, beautiful chandeliers. I had all this stuff in my head of what this sanctuary was gonna look like. So when I got put on the committee, I thought, oh my goodness, this is not gonna be good. We prayed as a group of ladies. Now, you know, you can't have six ladies in a kitchen. We prayed, and from the first day that we started working on all of this, those six ladies, including me, we never fussed one time. We never fussed one time. Now, did I voice my opinion? Oh, yeah. Did I hang tight on blue carpet? Oh, yeah. Did I hang tighter for my stained glass windows? Oh, yeah. Did I lose? No, I didn't lose because God was in control. And because as we started that process, everything we did, we saw the hand of God. We saw the hand of God with the colored carpet. We saw the hand of God with the chairs. We saw the hand of God with this piece of fabric that's right here on these prayer benches. And I watched God do all of that in our lives. So I called Vicki Day. I said, Vicki, how many of us? I didn't, couldn't even remember how many of us were on that committee. And she laughed and she said, Jeannie, wasn't that a time in the Lord? And so I want to, my takeaway with you is this. I went to this church when there were 48 people in this church. And I'm going to this church now when there's 650 or 700 of us. You're not going to agree with everything everybody does. You're not going to get your way all the time. You're not going to like this song or that song or this piano or that piano or that sermon or blah, 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 blah. But if you're dedicated to the things of the Lord, you're going to come and you're going to do what God called you to do and you're going to serve like Preach and Miss Marcia have led us to do. And you're going to do the things, and as we grow, and as the time is short, and we all know that it is, as we grow in the things of the Lord, we're going to continue to make a difference in this community, and we're going to have revival. Amen? Amen? Done. That was four minutes. Some of you may say, well, Pastor, did you get your way? No, Preach didn't get his way either. Two things. I said you can do anything with the building that you want. But so it had to have that sign. These, yep. these pews were from our, and the gym. Yep. 
That's the reason everything is color coordinated to those pews. Yep. That was one request. The other is I want to be able to come up and down from the platform from anywhere. From anywhere. And you wanted the sign, the, del the Gloria, the, well, the, actually, the Latin Well, actually, that sign. was a spur of the moment. Oh, okay. They came in. That the, the only decision I made is, and we had a great architect, our builder to build this. He came and said, we need to put the cornerstone in next week. What are we going to put on it? And I said, next week? He said, yeah. And, and I, I said, uh, Gloria, they, However all, it says it. all the glory belongs to God. That's right. And so that was my decision because nobody else had time. Now, I want somebody to say, well, why did you put those people on the committee? I can tell you the reason. <laughs> okay? I did not want anybody to come back and say, why did pastor do it that way? Oh, I didn't get my way, yeah. I said, the committee did it. And whenever I pointed them to that committee, they were not going to argue. Okay? And I said to him about the sign, who voted on the sign? How did we pick that sign? Didn't I? Yep. And he said, Jeannie, I did that on my own. And, but it was a spur of the moment. He said, Amen. it has to be done. Okay? Amen. Thank you. Amen. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.